Crack fans, the NFL action is in full swing at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. They're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins for all you football fans. And now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. Check this out as well. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Maybe you're a fan of a lesser heralded team. Maybe it's the Detroit Lions. I'm just speaking off the top of my head here. I don't know any Lions fans, but maybe you do. And maybe that hypothetical Lions fan has noticed the fact that Jared Goff seems to hit his passing yards number in every game these Detroit Lions have played thus far. What you're going to do, little same game parlay. You'll take the Detroit Lions as an underdog, as they so frequently seem to be. You'll take whichever of their skill position players. Maybe it's Amon Ross St. Brown, DeAndre Swift, the Jared Goff passing yards total. You're going to parlay them together, and it's going to make things even sweeter. In fact, you can throw down on step up same game parlays once per game day all season long. Here's how it works. You're going to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use our promo code AOD to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. Again, that's code AOD only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply if you or someone you know has a gambling problem. Crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER in Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, or Wyoming, 1-800-NEXT-STEP-IN-ARIZONA, or 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado or New Hampshire, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 877-HOPE-NY in New York, OPGR.org in Oregon, call text Tennessee Redline at 1-800-889-9789 or 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. Welcome to our GSP Ace of the Day segment presented by DraftKings. I would love to come on today's show just raving about last week's results. And ultimately, 7-5 and five up 1.36 units overall for the week is something for us to keep our head up about. Certainly, we have a little bit of momentum to end this 2022 season. That said, I have a sour taste in my mouth as we gave back a unit overall on wasted picks. Francis Tiafo, Veronica Kudermatova falling short on Friday. That said, always a good thing when you can end the week in the positives. Of course, as I just alluded to, we do have a little bit of confidence, a little bit of momentum as we turn the page towards another jam-packed week of action in the pro tennis world. And of course, here on today's show, what I'd like to do for all of you listeners is preview the next 24 hours of tennis happening at the ATP and WTA Tour. Feels like I say this on every Monday show, but We've got four more events, a jam-packed week of action at the tour level, of course, for the women, two WTA thrillers, one could argue, and I know I said this about Ostrava last week, but just go look at the draw for the WTA event happening this week in San Diego. At one point, I think Amanda Nisimova was going to be forced to play qualifying due to the strength of the draw. Now, some things have changed over the course of the past few days, but that San Diego draw, absolutely loaded, and of course, also 
really fun action in Romania. I know Emma Raducanu pulled out of that event, but certainly you look at the seeds in play at our second of two WTA events happening this week. You've got Barbara Krachikova, who, of course, has won back-to-back tour-level events. You've got second-seeded uh, Angelina Kalanina, players like Anna Bogdan, Anna Bandar, Marta Kostyuk, who have quietly had some success. Anastasia Potapova, Wang Shiyu should mention them as well. Julie Neumeyer in the mix also. A lot of intriguing names at that WTA event in Romania. So certainly, as always, the WTA going to provide all of us tennis fans with plenty of entertainment this week. Of course, on the men's side, that race to the year-end finals continues to heat up. You look at the action in Florence, top seed Felix Ogier Aliassime uh, in action. Of course, you've got Matteo Berrettini, each of them still alive in that race for the year-end championships. And then a ton of compelling young names on the board this week. Brandon Nakashima, Jensen Brooksby, Lorenzo Musetti. Each of them have made some sort of step of progress here in 2022. Now, we can judge that progress on different scales depending on each of those names. Again, for Jensen Brooksby after last year, maybe you don't think he made the biggest leap. That said, he certainly legitimized last year's run by sticking around in the top 50, proving he's just going to be in the mix over the course of the next decade. Lorenzo Musetti proving his successful skill set doesn't just, or his skill set, excuse me, translates successfully not just on clay courts, but perhaps on hard courts as well. Nakashima just captured his first ATP title. A little bit of a tangent, I suppose, therefore all of you, but again, looking at those names, top seed Felix Ogier, Aliasim, number two seed Matteo Berrettini. I should throw in a couple of big servers seated as well. Sasha Bublik, Maxime Cressy, plenty to be excited about with the ATP action in Florence. And then, of course, we've got another ATP event happening this week in Guillaume, Spain as well. You look top seed Andre Rublev coming off of a semifinal in Kazakhstan. Pablo Carreño Busta, RBA, you know, all those guys still alive in that year-end championship hunt. Of course, guys who have made many leaps here this season. Tommy Paul, Francisco Sarandolo, Alejandro Davidovich, Fokina, you have Dominic Team looking to continue to reestablish himself as a top 100, top 50 player. Andy Murray looking to stay healthy and prove that, again, he belongs competing at the highest levels of the game for the biggest titles. He's hoping to be seated come the 2023 Australian Open. So, again, a lot of mini storylines for us to follow throughout the course of this week. Of course, again, I'll be talking about that all week long, not only here on this GSP Ace of the Day segment, but we'll talk about it all week long over on the Mini Break podcast feed as well. That said, on this segment, as many of you listeners who have tuned in before know, what I try to do is preview the next 24 hours of action, run through each of the matches on the day, try to spend 30 seconds to at least a minute on all of them. And then, of course, I offer my GSP aces of the day as well. My favorite picks, my where I see the value, I should say, on the DraftKings Sportsbook. And a shout out, as always, to our friends at DraftKings for their support of this show. With that said, let's get into it. Here are my picks for Monday's matches in the pro tennis world. My GSP aces of the day. I do want to start before I get too specific on one ace with just a thematic note. I think I like every over tomorrow on the WTA Tour. If not over in games, the over two and a half sets. And just to quickly run through all the matchups, and I suppose we're getting right into that 32nd minute long breakdown of each of them. Veronica Kudermatova, currently eighth in the points rates. She's minus 265 tomorrow, taking on Sloane Stevens in San Diego. Look, 
Kunaratova, one of three players to have made double-digit quarterfinals this season. There's a reason she's eighth in that points race. Sloane Stevens has been a little bit better than she was in 2019, 2020, early 2021. But the Kunaratova serve forehand combination are the two biggest weapons in the match. And yes, it's in San Diego on U.S. soil. That's not going to hurt Sloane Stevens by any stretch of the imagination. That said, Kunaratova coming off of a tough loss in the Monastir semifinal. Um, you know, I just feel like she's playing for more at this point of the season, and she's playing better than Stevens. Again, not that Sloane Stevens doesn't have motivation to try and get more matches under her belt to try and regain her form heading towards 2023. I just, I think the physicality Kudermatova has shown of late, her ability, you know, she doesn't have to hit a winner on the first three balls anymore to win the point. She can extend things physically, work you around the court, play a little defense, and then, you know, when she's landing her first serve, top five and hold percentage on the WTA Tour this season, it's just dare I say sometimes, a non-negotiable. So I would lean Kudermatova. That said, I just don't feel right on U.S. soil counting Sloan Stevens out, particularly given Kudermatova coming from, you know, Monastir, Tunisia over here to San Diego, and she's got a Monday start, not the easiest transition. So I'd lean Kudermatova, but plus 165. I like that matchup. Similarly, over two and a half sets in Kasakina Fernandez, plus 145. I mean, Kasakina... Similarly, alive in the year-end championship. She's got one of the top eight spots right now. She's top 10 in total wins during this WTA season, obviously for Layla Fernandez. She's dealt with a ton of injuries throughout the course of the year, looking to ensure she remains inside the top 50 uh, as we move towards 2023 so that she doesn't have to worry about her scheduling and can play all the big events. I mean, again, eye test-wise, result-wise, Kasakina has been the better player this season. That said, if you're asking me who has the bigger weapons, on the right day, Layla Fernandez does. Fernandez's ability to step inside the court, take that ball early on the rise. This match will be on her racket. That's why this one scares me in particular. And you look at the match line, Kasakina minus 205, Fernandez plus 165. Of all the underdogs on Monday, that might be the one I like most because as excellent as Kasakina is physically. You know, she spreads the court so well. She's always going to track down that extra ball. She's going to force you to put her away. Fernandez, though, has the sort of weapons that can absolutely put Kasakina away. So that's a scary one for me as we look at tomorrow's matches again from a favorite perspective, from a game spread perspective. I like the over in that match. I think Kasakina's physicality ultimately wins out. But look, Leila Fernandez has not played poorly of late. You look for Fernandez, her results over the course of the past couple of weeks. And again, she's dealt with so many injuries, but, you know, lost second round in Toronto, 6-1 and one to Beatrice Haddad-Maya. Well, Haddad-Maya goes on to make the year on finals. You know, she loses to Katarina Alexandrova in Cincinnati. Katarina Alexandrova, one of nine players on the WTA Tour to rank top 25 in both hold and break percentage. She was exceptional last week in Ostrava, has clearly made a leap, has been a top 20 player here this year. No shame in that loss. And then at the U.S. Open, a 3-6 and six loss to a Ludmilla Samsonova, who was in the midst of a double-digit win streak. And so, yeah, like none of those losses are bad. I know she's ranked 38 right now, but she has played solid tennis over. I like the over in that one. Kedden versus Vandeweghe, I'll just do that quick. Do you know who's going to win that match? I don't know who's going to win that match. I'll take the over and hope, again, things get funky. Vandeweghe served the biggest weapon. Kedden, I thought I test-wise, has played better and better, but... No thank you 
Don't want any part of that. Garcia minus 145 over Danielle Collins. Again, Garcia served number one on the WTA Tour um, this season. But Danielle Collins is Danielle freaking Collins. And when she's been healthy, Grand Slam finalist at the Australian Open in January. No, thank you. I'll take the over in that match. And then I'm telling you right now, I would bet Samsonova minus 155. I would take her minus two and a half games. But Bianca Andreescu is getting a set in that match. Bianca Andreescu does not lose in straight sets. And yes, she's perennially injured. But when Bianca Andreescu is out on the court, she has also played at an exceptional level here this season. You look for Andreescu overall on the year. It's not necessarily that the record pops out because, of course, for uh, uh, Andreescu this season, 16 and 10 overall on the year. But like, again, who have the losses been to? Three and two at the U.S. Open to Garcia. Garcia played unbelievable in that match. And Andrescu still got a win over Haddad Maya in New York. She loses three sets to Jung Chin Wen in Toronto. Fine. Got good wins over Cornet Kasakina the rounds before. You know, three set loss to Garcia in the Bad Hamburg final. Three set loss to Pliskova. Six in love loss to Sviantec in the Rome quarterfinals where that 7-6 first set was probably as hard as anyone pushed Iga on the clay courts outside of Jung Chin Wen at the French Open. Three set loss to Sabalenka in Stuttgart. When Bianca's played, she's played well. And again, she is just a big match performer. Roll the balls out, start the match. BB's going to show up. That said, Sanspanova is just a wrecking ball. And I didn't have a lot of matches under my belt. And now I have to deal with the relentless pace. And, you know, again, just, un- you know, she's number two in hold percentage, is Ludmilla Sampsonova. It's just a non-negotiable. Sorry to continue to use that term. It's a lot to deal with. And so I would take the informed Sampsonova over in Andrescu, who hasn't played in over a month. That said, Andrescu's a primetime performer. I think that match goes over plus 140, not the worst odds for that to do so. Those are all of your San Diego matches tomorrow. And again, I think I made a pretty convincing case. Let me know if I didn't at AL Gruskin at Cracked Rackets. I think you could bet all those to go over. You could get like probably 50 to 1, maybe even 100 to 1. Honestly, maybe 120 to 1. Who knows what those odds would be if you parlayed all the overs and bet just on every San Diego match to go over tomorrow. In fact, I can get that number for all of you right now. If you parlay an an entirely a five over spread tomorrow at the uh, at the U.S. Open, uh, excuse me, at the U.S. Open shows you where my brain is. If you take a the entirety of the overs tomorrow in San Diego, Hundred uh, plus one five six four five, so plus fifteen thousand six forty five odds. If you bet one dollar, you will win one hundred fifty seven dollars in return. If you bet a hundred dollars, you will win fifteen thousand seven hundred forty five dollars. Yeah, that's that sounds about right. Again, if, if it's very unlikely that it happens, but. I hope one of you out there puts $1 on it. You win 157 And all I ask is, you know, it would be 157.45. Just Venmo me the 45 cents because I think that's one of my funkier ideas. I don't hate it, though. As you look at tomorrow's matches in San Diego, of course, you also have the WTA event in Romania. And I like a lot of the overs. I can make a case for all of them as well. That said, with that in mind, let's get into our first ace of the day selection I think Marta Kostyuk, who coming into the year would be a player I would have put in the Junction Wen, Tossin, not quite Goff, Radakanu Fernandez tier, but certainly hovering with those group of young 
you know, 21 and under talent where you're just like, she's going to be in the mix for the next decade over all around all the big events. That ability to just, you know, for Kostyuk, who's made second weeks at a major before her ability, just the combination of athleticism and power. There's not a lot on the court Marta Kostyuk can't do. And while finding what plan A is for her moving forward, how she's going to win points easily will define her ceiling. That ceiling is immensely high because, again, she does move sneaky well. Ball explodes through the court on both the forehand and backhand wing. She does have main character energy about her, meaning she likes to play on her terms. She's just a fighter. There's just something about the spirit of Kostyuk watching her play. The 20-year-old so compelling, of course. There's been so much going on in the life of Marta Kostyuk over the course of the past year. Kostyuk, Ukrainian, has been, you know, outward, outspoken, obviously, about what she's gone through, what her family has gone through, what her home country has gone through, how it's disrupted everything about this year for her. And yet through all of that, Kostyuk, a very respectable 24 and 17 here this season. Of course, you look for her since the start of this North American, or I should say post grass court, hard court stretch. She's eight and four overall. And you look at who those four losses are to. She's lost a three-set match to Pagula in Cincinnati, three-set match to Ekaterina Alexandrova in Porta Rose. I believe Alexandrova went on to win that title. Straight sets to Krachikova in Tallinn. Krachikova goes on to win that title. And then straight sets to Azarenka, second round uh, of the U.S. Open, a match where I don't think she played particularly poorly. You know, she's beaten everyone she's supposed to beat during this stretch of time, including her opponent tomorrow in Romania. She faces Jasmine Paolini. She beat Paolini Cincinnati qualifying 2-2. Two and two. I just think this match is on Marta Kostyuk's racket. I think she does everything better than Jasmine Paolini on a hard court, and you look, especially an indoor hard court, and you look for Paolini here this season. Hasn't been a bad year for the 26-year-old, who is 21 and 23 overall, currently sitting at 76 in the rankings. That said, Paolini, 11 and 12 on hard courts this year, 4 and 10 against top 100 opponents on hard courts this season. Yeah, she got a three-set win over Sabalenka at Indian Wells. And yeah, 7-6 in the third win over Alizé Cornet and Billie Jean King Cup. But I mean, again, this is neither of those events. This is indoor, hardcourt, Romania. And I just think the weapons of Kostyuk, the serve, the ground strokes, her ability to get that ball deep into the body of Jasmine Paolini. Paolini has a little bit bigger uh, forehand swing. Now, Paolini can absolutely rip the ball, but she's just not going to have time to do it on these indoor hard courts in Romania. And I do think, again, the explosive nature, the heaviness of that Kostyuk ball, I think it's going to get up on the shoulder of Paolini pretty quickly. Paolini, not the biggest player you'll find on the WTA Tour as such. I just think she's going to struggle with the heaviness of that Kostyuk ball. I think she's going to struggle with the indoor hard court conditions, the speed of the surface as well. And I mean, again, Marta Kostyuk, 27-19 over the last 52 weeks, 24-17 this season. You look for her on hard uh, on hard courts overall uh, for the year. She's currently 18-11, and 11, and when facing opponents ranked outside the top 50, she's 13-2. So give me Marta Kostyuk. I know the idea of her winning comfortably doesn't always make anyone comfortable because there can certainly be erratic play uh, for the 20-year-old. But you look for her tomorrow. You can get her minus three and a half games, minus 115 odds. She beat Paulini two and two when they played 
uh, in Cincinnati about two, you know, a month and a half ago. And now we're in conditions, indoor hard courts that are even more favorable for Kostyuk. So even if it's not two and two, minus three and a half games is a four and four, five and five victory, one break uh, advantage per set or one hold advantage, however it ends up going. I think that's very obtainable. For Marta Kostyuk, I'll take her minus three and a half games over Paulini minus one fifteen. I'm going to be tentative here to start the week as I was last week, just because I want to see how the conditions play. I want to try and get a look at everyone before we make bigger bets on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So we'll go another quarter unit play to win point two one, but. I shouldn't wimp out. I should throw the point, full 1.15 units to win one in return. The problem is I already sent my picks to super producer Danny Westoff, so I don't want him to get mad at me if I change things up. That said, again, that's my one pick from Romania, according to Tennis Abstract. It's a good one. As Marta Kostyuk, the sixth seed, a 61.4% favorite, according to the numbers. Again, I like a lot of overs. Bondar, Avanesian. Avanesian's played sneaky well of late. I know Bonaventure's coming off of a big week, but... Minus 275 is just too significant of odds for her to be favored against Gracheva. So I like the over there. Rakimova, Danilovic, over. Yastremsa, Korpats, over. Blinkova, Zakharova, over. And then the one I'm staying away from because this is going to be your best match of the day. Anna Bogdan, minus 165 favorite over Julie Niemeyer. Bogdan, one of five players to rank top 20 in both hold and break percentage amongst top 50 players this season. She's feasted. At the 250 level, at the ITF level. But again, to continue to beat this term into all of you Cracked Rackets fans' ears, the power tennis Niemeyer able to play is non-negotiable. When she's landing that first serve, has time to step up into the ball and rip the first forehand accordingly. You're just playing on her terms. And there will be times in this match where regardless of what Bogdan does, we will be playing on Nehemiah's terms. That's why I like the over in that match. And again, if you want to really get crazy, throw all the overs together. WTA uh, Romania, WTA San Diego. It's going to be like 300, maybe even 500 to one odds. I've spent a dollar in stupider ways. That's all I'm saying to listeners here today. That's why I like every WTA over as we look at Monday's matches. That said, that's your women's action on Monday. Let's switch gears now talk about what we've got for the men. We've got the two events again in Gijon as well as in Florence this week. I've got a couple of aces of the day for all of you listeners, each of them coming from the action over in Guillaume. Let's start with Arthur Rinderknecht. You look for Rinderknecht. He's going to take on Carlos Taberner tomorrow. Rinderknecht, fairly solid across the board this season. The 27-year-old currently number 56 in the rankings. That's eight off his career high of 48, which he hit at the start of the year. He's 30 and 20 here in this 2022 season and you know you look for him on hard court specifically 23 of his 30 wins coming on the hard courts he's seven and seven on other surfaces this season you look for Rinder Kanesh quarterfinalist in Tel Aviv before getting knocked out by Roman Safilin again Rinder Kanesh has been really good in first round matches at on hard courts here this season you look for Rinder Kanesh nine and three in, in first matches at events, his only losses, Manorino in Canada, Bonsi in Indian Wells, RBA in Dubai. He's 9-3 otherwise in first matches on hard courts this year. And, you know, again, for Rinderknecht to be on an indoor hard court in Guillaume, which I believe is an indoor hard court event, I'll have to double check, I suppose, on that. Probably something I should have checked uh, before the action begins, but I'm fairly confident that ATP event is
is on hard court. The point being, uh, I just really love it. It is on an indoor hard court. I was like, I thought I saw that earlier. Uh, I love that surface for Rinder Kanash. 6'5", 6'6", his ability to hit that big fir- first serve, hit that big forehand, follow it to the net. Of course, you look for Rinder Kanesh. So much of his challenger breakthrough success came on indoor hard courts back when he won, you know, Drummondville, Wren, Calgary. He or made finals at all those events to start 2020. And then, you know, you look for him this year on in Istanbul at the start of the year, Vancouver. Just again, that ability to play on these indoor or outdoor hard court events. These hard court surfaces brings out the best in Rinder Kanesh's game. Uh, for a guy his size has no business moving as fluidly as he does in and out of the corner. Not an elite mover at that size, but again, to be six foot five and have movement not be an issue for in match in match out. I just I think the Rinder Kanesh forehand serve are the biggest weapons in his matchup tomorrow against Carlos Taberner. And you look for the 25 year old Spaniard Taberner. You know, got knocked out final round of qualifying. Luckily loser into this year uh, this event. You look for him 31 and 31 overall on the year is Taberner. But this is just his sixth hard court match of the season. He's two and three overall on the hard court. 31 and 43 overall on hard courts in his career. Four and five on hard courts at the ATP tour level. Now he made a quarterfinal in Nor Sultan in September of last year. But as we just saw with those Nur Sultan now called Astana courts, those are the slowest high bouncing hard courts you're going to find on the ATP tour into Burner, who has made a career having a lot of success on the clay courts. The indoor hard courts of Spain, I anticipate going to be a little bit quicker uh, than those Nur Sultan courts. And, you know, again, you look for Carlos Taberner in his career when facing top 100 opponents on a hard court. Taberner 2-7 and seven overall in the wins he's gotten over Munar, Gerasimov, in my opinion. Neither of those players, particularly at the time, the quality that Rinder Kanesh is. Now, I just think the Rinder Kanesh serve is the biggest weapon on the court. And of course, for Rinder Kanesh, who's holding serve 84.6% of the time, that's better than the ATP top 50 average of 82.1%. I think Rinder Kanesh hits the big serve uh, all the way through to the finish line here. And again, I think he can get the one break of serve needed. You look for Rinder Kanesh. Uh, he only breaks 16.7% of the time on hard courts. I suppose that's the issue for him. That's why he, uh, not, I shouldn't say that's the issue for him, but that's the next frontier for him in his continued development. Um that said, you look for Carlos Taberner overall on hard courts. Taberner for his career holds 74.1% of the time on hard courts, 68.6% of the time when facing top 100 players. The point there is that Rinder Kanesh is facing a below average server. He's going to have opportunities to play big uh, regardless of the, uh, or, or in this moment, excuse me. So I expect Rinder Kanesh to advance in straight sets, and I think he's going to do it comfortably. I'll take him minus three and a half games, which you can get minus 135 odds for. That's better than the money line for Rinder Kanesh, who you look tomorrow, according to the money line, minus 320. Yeah, minus 135, you lay a little juice there, but for a straight set victory, we'll lay that juice. We'll take Rinder Kanesh minus three and a half games, minus 135, quarter of a unit to win 0.18 in return. We'll also take Benjamin Bonzi. We're just riding with the Frenchman tomorrow. Benjamin Bonzi, minus three and a half games over Diego Montero, minus 120, which compared to his minus 275 money line, that much juicier, of course. We're going to lay a quarter of a unit on all of our picks tomorrow. Bonzi's minus 120 would yield us 0.2, 4.25 units wagered. 
Uh, you look for Benjamin Bonzi here this season. I'm not going to leave you without the stats, I promise. He's 34-25 and 25 overall, 17-16 and 16 on hard courts this season. But the big thing is his opponent tomorrow. He's taking on a guy in Diego Montero who is 8-11 on hard courts this season, 20 and 40 for his career at the ATP level on hard courts. And, you know, you look at his last three losses on hard courts, Andahar, Borges, Jao Sosa. None of those players are the quality of Benjamin Bonzi on an indoor hard court, which as we learned two minutes ago, that's precisely what we have tomorrow in Spain. Um, you know, again, you look for Benjamin Bonzi against lefties in his career. Uh, pretty successful against them overall, and you look for him here this season. 6-0 and against lefties on hard courts. Got a win over Diego Montiero, 7-5-6-2, as a matter of fact, in Winston-Salem back at the end of August. Bonzi's got an excellent backhand. He's rock-solid physically. I just don't know what Montero, uh, you know, Montero likes to hit the big serve, the big forehand, but on an indoor hard court, he's just not going to have time to get into that big forehand backswing. Now, the Montero serve can be imposing, but you look for Benjamin Bonzi, who uh, has had some successes here, breaking serve 22.6% of the time, holding serve 84.9% of the time. He's just really solid all around. You have to be spectacular to have, have some sort of elite skill to knock off Benjamin Bonzi, and in particular to knock him off comfortably. And I just, while Montero's forehand can be elite, I don't think it can be elite on this surface. And so I just don't know what he's going to do to continuously hurt Bonzi, put himself in advantageous positions as such. I like Benjamin Bonzi, minus three and a half games over Montero. Again, minus 120, 0.25 units to win, 0.2 in return. You look at the rest of tomorrow's matches in uh, Guillaume. You know, Baez has been really bad on hard courts. He's taken on a guy who has been the 2021 version, uh, 2022 version, excuse me, of last year's Benjamin Bonzi slash Talon Greek Sport, the challenger superstar, quarterfinalist in Tel Aviv, Constant Lestiant, minus 205 favorite over Baez. That's a little rich. I want to see that match go, or I want to see that match, and I think it will go over two and a half sets. Team, minus 390 over Sousa tomorrow. That makes sense. And, you know, again, let's see how team's ground strokes hold up on the indoor hard court quicker surface. And then Tommy Paul, minus 2,000 tomorrow against Landaluce. Yeah, I think Tommy's going to win pretty comfortably. The fact that it's minus six and a half games shows that uh, oddsmakers thinks he's going to win fairly comfortably as well. That said, you've also got action in Florence. Aslan Karatsev looking to end what has been a miserable run. Uh, I think he's lost seven in a row. He's taking on Catalan Greek Sport. Greek Sport, unsurprisingly, a minus 175 favorite. Kaboli taking on Mute. Give me the over. JJ minus 270. He's in the parlay zone as he takes on Mastrelli. I should have done a Daniel Galan, who's minus 160 over Carbea Spania. I should have done a Galan JJ Wolf parlay. Minus 270 is Wolf, minus 160. You parlay them together. It's plus 122. <sighs> I already sent my picks to West off. So we're not going to include that in our GSP Aces of the Day, but there's a bonus pick uh, for all of you who listen to Minute 28 of the show. That said, that's the next 24 hours in the pro tennis world. It's going to be an exciting day of action, another one. And what has been a really fun 
post-U.S. Open swing. And of course, as the week progresses, we'll get our top seeds in action across the globe. And we'll continue to offer our picks, our previews each and every day here on this GSP Ace of the Day segment. A shout out, as always, to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the of editing job he does day in, day out, making all of our content possible. Shout out as well to our friends at DraftKings for their support. With that said, your Aces of the Day for Monday. Give me Kostyuk, minus three and a half games over Paulini, minus 115, quarter of a unit to win 0.21. Give me Arthur Rinderkanesh, minus three and a half games over Taberner, minus 135, one quarter unit to win 0.18. And then give me Benjamin Bonzi, same deal. Minus three and a half games over Montero. Minus 120 quarter of a unit to win 0.2 in return. With that said, for our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at DraftKings, and from all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. May the odds be ever in your favor. Good luck, everyone. 